What up, man? How you doing? Good, man. How you been? Good. Good to hear. Good. All right, guys. Welcome back to another episode of Footy and Coffee Conversations. You got your coffee? Always. Dude, I got special roast for this one. It's a well, little yeah. local coffee shop, Velo Coffee Shop down here in Chattanooga. And this uh, specific brand is uh, predominantly farmed and produced by women in Colombia. So, oh, very I mean, cool. Yeah. Brought out is a special it, one for you. Is it a dark roast or what? It is kind of like a little medium type roast. So, yeah, okay. not too bad. Drink it, drinking it just straight black? Of course. You got to. Good. Proper Good flavor. Man. Love it. Love it. All right, man. Uh, to get started, if you just want to introduce yourself, uh, say your name, where you're playing right now, currently, um, what position you are, that type of thing. All right. Uh, my name is Brian Beamett. Uh, I'm a forward, and I'm currently playing for Chattanooga FC in NISA. Very good. That's a new league. Talk, talk a little bit just about what that league is for people who don't know. Um, so essentially, it's a bunch of independent clubs um, formed actually similarly to um, how NASL was, kind of the same idea. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a new league right now. There's eight teams, I believe, but there's supposed to be 10 coming up in the fall for that second half of the season. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's exciting because most of the teams are kind of city owned. Um, we're going to add the Cosmos, which obviously is a renowned club. Um, but yeah, down here in Chattanooga, it's, it's actually owned by shareholders. So it, it's really cool seeing that side of things with the whole city behind us. We played in Oakland, our first game, well, our only game, and, uh, they're kind of encompassing the whole city and in, in front of about 7,000 fans there. So yeah, it was, oh, wow. Unbelievable. Yeah, no, it's a cool little league. Um, obviously, I hope it can start back up here soon, but yeah, I'm excited yeah. about it. Yeah, what are they saying for you guys right now? I'm, I'm really not sure. Um, so it's under FIFA scheduling is how they're trying to do it. So we're doing it basically in a split season, fall and spring. And the way it's set up right now is this is technically the second half of the season in the spring, but Chattanooga just joined in this part of the season. Um, and it was supposed to go through June. Obviously, it's it's getting late. So it, I'm not holding my breath at this point, which is kind of unfortunate, but kind of looking forward to what we might have going on in the summer. I know there's talks about them trying to get some sort of tournament format or something, but obviously it changes every day with all this COVID stuff going on. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because every every person or every league has kind of different ideas of how to handle it. So it'll be interesting all what what different leagues decide to do to try to make up games or what. Yeah, exactly. That's why I saw that like Germany supposedly starting was second week of May, something like that. Yeah, but it, it, it'll be interesting like to see how they can do it. I feel like if there's one country that could pull it off, it'd be German Bundesliga. But like I said, it'll be interesting with no fans. It's just obviously not the same. Yeah, and I I always wonder too. Okay, you take the fans out, but uh, one player gets it. The whole team has to quarantine for two weeks. So then, do they forfeit their games, or how do you make those up? Or there's exactly. so many unknowns. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I know, like we had talks that like whenever we start back up, they're going to do kind of extensive testing and do temperatures every morning when you walk in the training ground and all that kind of stuff. 
and, and obviously like it's just kind of a hassle because you're in a tight group so obviously if one person gets it you're it's just like a snowball effect yeah yeah when you're when you're breathing and sweating on everyone and in exactly. a training session it's yeah gonna, it's gonna <laughs> it's go not quick ideal situation <laughs> all right man um so to start get us started just talk a little bit about your youth career uh where you grew up playing uh how you decided where to go to university what that process all looked like yeah um so i grew up in the st louis area um played for st louis scott gallagher as most people do down there um so yeah i played played for them my whole basically my whole career and then uh joined the academy system um my junior year and yeah from there just kind of uh was seen obviously in some showcases and whatnot um went to two official visits one to loyola chicago where is where i ended up and another one to mercer university which i actually committed to first and was committed there for about a month and then kind of looked more into things of what i wanted to do maybe after soccer and ended up deciding loyola was probably best for me as far as like fit and everything so yeah ended up there and actually kind of small world my club coach in the academy for Gallagher is now the president of Chattanooga, where I am right now. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Small world. Um, yeah. yeah, and you had you had a good high school career. I think 17 goals your senior season. Mm-hmm. Not bad. Yeah, no, it was it was fun. I'm glad I, I didn't have – you were the same way. We didn't have to choose between club and, and high school because, I mean – I would have unfortunately had to have not played high school soccer because I would have chose the club route just for my future. But, oh, man, high school was a blast. And I, we, had, we had so many fans <laughs> at our games. Like, <laughs> I, I get, like, for, for player development and stuff, the, the being in the club makes sense. But, honestly, mm-hmm. the memories from high school soccer oh, was sure. just incredible. Yeah. Like, as, so. like for St. Louis, like, all of, our whole conference was all the all-guys schools, like all the all-guys private schools. And so we play every tournament. It would be the final between, like, one of our schools against each other. And then, like, that's how state was and everything. And so, of course, anytime we play each other, you have essentially everyone from both schools and then all the other people that have come to watch. So, like, I played played one game probably in front of 7,000 or so people. Like, it's – like in high school in high school it was like that's st louis soccer in high school <laughs> that's incredible uh so you you committed originally to mercer and then you switched to loyola what was the uh the phone call like telling the coach from mercer that you were uh decommitting awful <laughs> he was not happy and honestly that i mean it, it kind of made my decision easier that I was changing based on his mood. I, I know, and, and you know, yeah, like, you know, uh, Brennan Ice, obviously, yeah. fantastic human being. Uh-huh. Uh, that's who recruited me at Loyola. And I remember when I told him that I was going to Mercer, he was completely understanding. He's like, hey, like, I, we still have a spot for you. Like, and it, it was kind of cool, like, how nice he was about it. And he was just like, I still wish you the best. And then was there and then kind of was just thinking things over. And Loyola, like I said, just seemed like a better fit. So, Changed my commitment, went there, made the phone call, and yeah, he was not happy. Um, a whole bunch of stuff talking about commitments and breaking things and promises and all that, and just the demeanor of everything actually kind of put me at ease because I was I was like, well, if this is kind of his true colors, I'm, I'm glad I'm not going here. And obviously, it was it, it was the best decision I could have made. Honestly, going going to Loyola, it was great. Yeah, 
I honestly, uh, I think for a coach in today's world with how often players look to change, even midway through university and all, not worth it to burn a bridge. Even though no. obviously you're upset, it's your recruit. You yeah. hard to get. You never know. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, so you end up you end up going to Loyola. Um, talk a little bit about just like going in freshman year, because uh, it's a big it's a big jump from high school to to college yeah. and just figuring out so much even off the field stuff. Mm -hmm. So actually, kind of funny story. So I remember I went in for captain's practice, and one of the, so that was about a week before we actually started preseason, and we actually ran our fitness test which was we did 300 meter shuttles so it was 25 yards and i think we did six of them and you had to get a minute get it under a minute with a minute rest and that was our fitness test and i remember we did them during captain's practice and i like blew it away with flying colors i think i averaged like 56 seconds or something like that like came in like fast and because i was you know i was young and agile back then <laughs> and yeah so we did that during captain's practice but then when we actually had preseason and we did the fitness test uh, I have asthma, and I broke out in my first and only asthma attack during oh. the fitness test after we did, I think, three of them. And they told us, like, beforehand that if you didn't pass, there was no way you were going to get any gear or train until you passed. Oh, wow. So, of course, freshman me, like, with high expectations coming in, and that happens. Um, luckily for me, our trainer was standing there watching our captain's practice and saw me crush it and went over to Ites and the coaching staff and essentially told him, he's like, hey, obviously his first three, he cruised through them and he literally beat it easily a couple days ago. I, I witnessed it. So, yeah, I was lucky enough to be able to get considered a pass. <laughs> oh, that's good. I, uh, when, when Ites was helping with uh, Bridges in the summertime, Mm -hmm. I actually did that fitness with him one time at it's Olympic deceiving, Park. Man. It's oh deceiving. my goodness! Yeah, <laughs> the, the first like two or three are like, oh, this is no problem, and then yeah, very Once you quickly. Hit, like, that fifth one, you're just like, what is this? We got another after this? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's terrible. Um, okay, so you finally you get your gear. You're on the team. Um, yeah. What's what's uh, freshman year looking like? You get a lot of playing time. Um, I actually my freshman year I started. At, Every game, and I actually led in scoring my freshman year uh, with a whopping three goals. So we were very defensive-minded. Um, and we went to the NCAA tournament that year. Um, unfortunately, lost to, to Bradley and, and Woj, who you are talking to earlier. So, <laughs> so I'm always going to be salty about that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, it, it, was, it was good. I actually I scored in my first ever uh, collegiate game. Uh, it was at home. So we played against Drake University, and it was they have this thing hustle to Hoyne every year, and it's literally all the freshman class. They have a big event for them, and they all walk because our field is about a mile from campus, and they all just walk to the field, have a huge celebration for all the incoming freshmen. It's always at our soccer. Oh wow! So yeah, so I'm coming in and like starting as a freshman. And I have like my whole class like watching me, so. The seniors are kind of like giving me crap. They're like, hey, just so you know, like, don't blow it in front of your whole class. Like, they'll know. Thanks, guys. Um, and I remember we were playing Drake, and I actually scored tied up 1-1, I remember. And uh, it was unreal. Like, the place is going nuts. I was on cloud nine. I was like, if this is, if this is how it's going to be, I love life. Like, <laughs> if, if this is university, four years isn't enough. 
yeah, this is great. <laughs> yeah, so you you made a newcomer, all-newcomer team that year. So obviously a lot of success. The team had success. Um, yeah. What then talk about kind of your your uh, your sophomore year, your junior year, obviously your junior year, you balled out. What's that like? Um, my sophomore year was a little, uh, little different. Um, we had some kind of issues throughout the team, whatever. Um, I also had my position switched and wasn't really playing as much, uh, but still led then in assists that year, which I guess make the most of it. Uh, um, something. Yeah. And then after that season, that's actually then Brendan got fired. Um, and so obviously it was kind of a limbo period as to what was going to happen as far as the next coaching staff. Um, and then we ended up hiring Neil Jones, who's currently there. And yeah, so that, that spring was, uh, obviously a lot different. And ultimately though, I'm, I, I'm happy with how, what ended up turning up. I, I thought about transferring. Um, glad I didn't, but yeah, it ended up working out for the best. Like like you said, my junior year, I ended up breaking out and had my highest goal scoring season. Um, so, yeah, good on that level. And then my senior year um, had decent decent stats, I guess. Uh, I think I had, like, three goals and three assists, four goals, three something like that. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, my unfortunately, though, for my senior season, I was coming off of – I had, like, a – kind of a complicated hernia surgery where it was like a hernia, but it also like kind of like ended up going into something else to where like I was out for the whole summer. Oh, so like, wow. so that was, I got the surgery on Easter of my junior year and literally rehabbed till almost about a couple weeks before preseason until I was finally able to like run again. So yeah, so that was, that was kind of uh, a little different, obviously. Um, couple weeks of running and then all right play you know a game every three days exactly exactly and i remember the very first game too i actually played like my whole senior year in a knee brace because like the very first game like ended up straining a ligament in my knee and like had a bad bone bruise and of course i'm never gonna like i'm not one to ever sit out anyway but especially in my senior year there was no chance that i was yeah. sitting so yeah i would I would literally some games like limp onto the field, play ninety minutes, and then limp off of the field with ice. Like, <laughs> jeez. So when uh, in this time, when did professional soccer kind of become uh, the dream and maybe a realistic option? So for me, actually, this is actually kind of crazy because my mom just found some things uh, when she was cleaning, like cleaning, redoing the house. Uh, like earlier this winter. Um, but I literally said that I wanted to be a professional soccer player when I was in like second grade. Oh, wow. And she actually found, it was kind of cool. It was a, like a note that I had written. It was like, what do you want to be in the future? And it was literally, I was like, I want to be a professional soccer player, all this. That was like written out. I was like, I want to be a forward and score a lot of goals, like all this kind of stuff. And she had found it like sitting there. And I was like, my teacher at the time was just like, oh, like best of luck. Like, and then, like, obviously, the second grade kid in the middle of, like, where I lived is a really small town, like, in southern Illinois, like, outside of St. Louis. And, like, this kid saying this is just, like, yeah, okay, good luck. Keep dreaming. And, yeah, keep dreaming, kid. Like, <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, once, I guess, 
my freshman year when I, like I said, I had success. I was like, oh, it'd be kind of cool. Like, I think I could do it. And then really after my junior year, when I really broke out, I was like, I definitely think I can do it. And so, yeah, that was when I fully made the decision. That's what I wanted to do is play soccer professionally. Yeah. I uh, I like that you found, you know, the letter from back in the day. I think yeah. I, she took a picture and sent it to me. So I have it saved on my phone. So it's, yeah. You, have, awesome. you have to send it to me. I'll, oh, for I'll, sure. I'll we'll post do. it on it. Um, so then talk about, I, I think you're, uh, I like your story. I like how, how things play out, not to, not to spoiler alert, but, uh, it seems the, the way that you got into professional soccer, uh, is, is the one in a million in the chance of not just them taking your money and sending you home. Yeah. So kind of, kind of talk through you, you finish at, at university, um, talk about your first, how you get your first contract. All right, so um, obviously the season ends um, in the winter-ish, um, and so teams for USL, MLS, all that, all start up in the winter. And normally they start signing players around December, January, preseason starts in February. So I kind of went to a couple, like, just open tryouts because I, I still don't have an agent to this day. Um, so just went to a couple open tryouts, and it was one of those deals where it's like, if I end up getting picked up and signed, I'll figure out the school aspect later because this is what I want to do. Um, but still, I was like, I really want to make sure I graduate just in case like anything were to go wrong. Um, so don't know if I can say that I was like fully like with it, like going in December, just because I was like a little bit worried at the same time, like with school. Um, so nothing came of anything in December. So I ended up just staying. I actually trained with our, our loyal team throughout the spring season that year, um, just to stay fit, train with our strength coach, um, and just graduated then in May. So then after May, um, I went to a trial for PSC. It's a the kind of little agency that they do trips over to Scandinavia and whatnot. So I got on with them and took a tour over to Sweden and Norway. Uh, played against a couple, even first division sides over there. Uh, had a couple goals, a couple assists. Like captain the squad was was looking oh, wow. really promising. Yeah. And then I got a concussion, badly. Oh. Um, yeah, the big Norwegian defender went up for a header, and he just undercut me and landed straight on my head. And yeah, it was not good. It was yeah, it was honestly it was terrifying. Um, so went home after that and was kind of out for about six and a half weeks with my training staff back at school still. Um, and I ended up getting a place then in Chicago with uh, Andrew Raymond's. He was one of my good buddies I played with all through college. And yeah, so lived with him and actually worked at a bar in, in Old Town. It was called Woody's Flat for anyone in the Chicago area. Shout out Woody's. Go check it out. Yeah, great place. Uh, so yeah, I did it all there, bar backed, um, bounced, like you name it, like <laughs> did whatever I, whatever I could to like make ends meet so I could stay in Chicago. And then I was working out still every day with our strength coach from Loyola and then going to Bridges whenever I could, whenever I could get a ride pretty much because I didn't have a car. Um, so then, yeah, I, I found myself literally just training at like empty fields. If it started snowing, I'd I had a parking garage that was next to my apartment and was training in the parking garage every day, getting touches. And 
um, was threatened to be arrested on multiple occasions for trespassing. <laughs> so, yeah. So I didn't, didn't realize that a guy looked sketch just walking around with a ball and a water bottle, but apparently I did. But, yeah, apparently. so I'd always be in there just getting touches against the wall, like juggling, whatever you name it. Like, and security on multiple occasions had to chase me out. And so I, I'll never forget the last time I went in there, they actually had the police that were, like, kind of patrolling the area. And I was, I was like, yeah, I got to get out of here. <laughs> so, but, yeah, that's, that's the grind, honestly. Um, so did that and then went to essentially just a bunch of just open trials once that time came back around, um, which was tough because obviously weekends were my big money maker at work. Mm -hmm. So yeah. anytime I missed um, – I would have to come back and work like double shifts and whatnot to try to then make my money back to stay living in Chicago. The true um, grind, man. The true yeah, grind. Yeah, it, it, it was rough. Like I would, I would literally wake up about like 6 a.m., go work out with our strength coach, then go to go train at Bridges or whatnot, go eat, and then went straight to work till about 2.30 in the morning and then had to do it all over again the next day. So yeah, that was a, that was almost about a year of my life until I finally got called in to preseason with Rio Grande Valley, who's in the USL. Uh, was there for about a month in preseason, and they are paired with the Houston Dynamo, so they dropped down some Dynamo players and got a call in, said, "Yep, you're going home tomorrow." So, the all too classic. Yep, yep. Everyone's heard it. That's tried to do it. So yep, they told me literally pack your stuff. You're leaving tomorrow. So I didn't know what I was going to do. Luckily, my aunt lives in Houston. So the first flight I was able to get that was like a cheap flight was I just flew to Houston from there, stayed with her for a couple of days until I could kind of figure things out. And now, then I went at, home. At, at this point, are you at all having any self-doubt that professional soccer is going to become a reality for you? Oh, 100%. Yeah. I, I mean, at this point, it's, it's almost the end of February or I guess – no, I went in in January. It was pretty early preseason because of their affiliation with the MLS. So it's mid-February, I guess, at this point. And I'm, I'm not stupid. I, even though I've never been in the business, I, I know how it works. Like, the, everyone's pretty much getting their rosters finalized. So mm -hmm. I finally go home, and my mom is helping me out, playing agent for me, trying to figure out, like, oh, this roster still needs players. This needs this. And then I found Puerto Rico FC who is a brand-new club starting up in the NASL. They're owned by Carmelo Anthony. And they have an open tryout in IMG Academy down in Bradenton, Florida. Mm -hmm. So there's not – and NASL was split season, so they're not starting until the second half of the NASL season. So I remember looking and talking to my mom about this, and I was like, it's basically my last shot if I even want to play this year. Otherwise, like – two years removed, not looking promising at that point. So went down, flew down to IMG, did really well. Actually, so at the time, I was actually trying to go as like a number 10 and sign as like a number 10. Okay. And yeah. Switch it up so, yeah. So I was down there as like a number 10 for the most part. Was doing well. And I remember I went up for like a, like a header or something and like landed kind of tweaked my knee weird. And like, Went down, like went off to the side, trainers checking it out. And in my head, I'm just like, there's no way I'm sitting out the rest of this. Like, it is day two of three. I am not sitting out. So 
I went back in and I told one of the center backs, push up, I'm playing center back. <laughs> because I'm like, I'm going to play and I can like keep everything in front of me and I'm just going to just try to just dictate the game so that I can control my movements and whatnot and I'm not hurting myself. Okay. And did well. Um, so the coach told me, he's like, have you ever played the six before? Of course, absolutely not. But I'm oh, like, yes. I can. I, I'm like, I told him I was like, I have not, but I can. Like, we'll do it. So um, he goes, all right. Well, if that's the case, uh, we have the next three days. We're gonna have all of our guys we invited in. Can you stay three more days? So I have to go. I'm on the phone with my parents, like trying to rearrange flights and like rooms and like all this stuff to like make Gosh. sure I can stay another three days and. <laughs> So ultimately I come back, I was like, it was one of those where I'm like, I'll do it. It's, I just got to make it happen first. Like mm -hmm. I'll be here. So come back, like everything's sorted. We play like two friendlies against like some local clubs. I ended up scoring in one of them, playing as the six, had an assist also, and just like yeah. did well. And they offered me on the spot. Um, so yeah, my first, first contract was down in Puerto Rico and out of an open tryout. So, yep. Yeah. You, uh, <laughs> you mentioned Carmelo Anthony was, uh, the owner of the club at that point. You have any, any, uh, unique or cool interactions with him during your time? Carmelo Anthony threw my 23rd birthday party. <laughs> so yeah, unreal. Best birthday I've ever had in my life. So I turned 23 and made my pro debut and it was the club's debut. And then he threw me a party at like the top club on the island. So yeah, it was so, awesome. So you peaked at 23 years old. A hundred percent peaked at 23. I was like, this is pro soccer. Like, let's go. Like, <laughs> it, it seems to be a reoccurring theme. First, first game of uni, you score a goal. Then right. pro you party with Carmelo. And then it's just to grind again. Then I, then I get kicked back to reality. <laughs> yeah, so so you're with uh, Puerto Rico for two years. It ends mm -hmm. up folding. And yeah. So you're you're looking for a new club. What's your process at that point? Now you've had a couple years of pro experience. Yeah. So um, it was actually it was it was tough, man. Um, so my first year, I played almost every game um, and started a handful down the stretch. Um, in like the center of the midfield, but I had played all over for them. I played on both wings. I played as an eight, 10, six, and a nine all my first year. Absolute utility player that year, um, which was, I mean, which is fine because I can do it. So it's, if I can get on the field that way, I'm never going to complain. Hey, minutes so, are minutes. Yeah, exactly. Minutes are minutes. I'm never going to complain about that. So did that. And then my second year, um, our coach, actually got fired really early in the season and the guy who took over was just not a fan of the guys that had kind of been under the other coaches wing. they had very different philosophies let's put it that way and so yeah I played a total of 12 minutes that season but had an assist in those 12 minutes so made the most yeah. of that and so yeah it, it made it a little tough obviously then the following year to find a new club luckily I went down to uh, Jacksonville Armada, who was also an NASL club, and went down there. I actually had my first coach in Puerto Rico give him a call, let him know that I was coming down there. And I actually went down to an open tryout down there as well, which, yeah, great. And uh, 
went there. He like, luckily the coach knew who I was, like recognized me. Um, and I was, I was at the open tryout, but at the same time he was like, can you stay in the afternoon and train with our first team? And so ended up staying for about a week and a half down there, just kind of on a trial basis with their team and played in a couple of friendlies. We played against DC United um, in like the college team, I think, and did, did well, showed well. And so, yeah, signed, ended up signing with Jacksonville, which was a very weird situation because obviously they were an NASL club and we were a professional club, but we ended up, because the NASL folded, playing in PSL. Yeah. So played and trained the whole year from February on till I was there till November because once that's the season ended, I was still there because I had my housing covered and I was coaching. So just down there for the whole time. So it was, it was super bizarre, but ended up, it was a, it was a great setup, great situation. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was different. It was interesting, but I, I'm still grateful that I was able to still play and, and get paid. I'm never going to complain about that. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of the day, that's, uh, there's a lot worse things to have to deal with than getting paid to play soccer. Exactly. Exactly. So, so that, uh, <laughs> that, that season ends, you decide to, to head back Midwest. Is this mm -hmm. another, another open trial or you finally decide? No more this one was trials. an invite trial. I finally made it. I, I finally had enough under my belt where I could just get an invite in. And so got invited in, um, to that did really well uh scored a handful of goals and again they offered me like pretty much on the spot and then i met with them afterwards and yeah so it was in madison then this past season with yeah a couple guys you've had on this show already <laughs> yeah yeah what was uh what was what was uh your reaction the first year your experience the first year it's a new club um i think there's there's amazing things that happen when it's a new club there's also just a lot of figuring things out because you haven't you haven't experienced things and now you've had two experience of starting clubs both with puerto rico then right. with madison so what's that like so obviously there were there were hiccups like uh especially with us as a brand new team it was a it was an old stadium that they were renovating so obviously things weren't going to be 100 percent ready the moment we got there it's just just not possible honestly especially there when it it has blizzards every other week it's pretty tough to get outside yeah. and get going um so yeah so i understood that there were always going to be hiccups um so basically from that aspect i was just, i i didn't expect things to go smoothly obviously they ended up going very smoothly and the, mm -hmm. and the club the club had a great a great first season and the the fan support was unbelievable um some of the best support i've i've ever been a part of and witnessed uh so obviously that makes everything better it, it makes the first year's transition so much easier when you have a full packed house sold out game every single home game um, yeah it doesn't feel like a first a first year team then yeah and i heard that they, they increased stadium seating for this year even more i think oh really okay that's, yeah I was, I, not, think that's, I was not aware of that that's i think cool. that's what lenny was saying Okay. Awesome. So, yeah. Um, a question with it that I just kind of wonder about, cause I've never been with just a, a first year club like that. Um, mm -hmm. you know, every club has its identity and kind of its way of doing things, but a first year club, you don't have that. So do you think it is the players that kind of create that identity, the coaching staff, the fans, how do you think the, that identity becomes a thing? 
a little both. Um, obviously, a coach has a philosophy that he wants to implement, um, but the players ultimately have to buy in because they're the ones doing it on the field. Um, and then furthering that even more, when you get the fans involved, you want to have something that they can be proud of as well because you don't just play for yourself and your team. It's ultimately so – that's what makes soccer so unique. It's, it's a community sport. Like, everyone rallies around it. The city's involved, especially in a place like that. The city was way behind it, backed us 100%. Um, so, yeah, so that, that kind of all kind of goes together to basically encompass an identity. Um, but, yeah, it, it, was, it, was, it was cool. It was cool. Yeah, I like I like you mentioned the uh, the aspect about the fans and all because I, the, some of the the best words of advice I got when even talking about you know style of play as a coach when you're mm -hmm. when you're going to a new club is uh, one of my mentors said find out what what the fans identity how they view it obviously you have mm -hmm. your your core philosophy and beliefs and that can't change but at the end of the day, you're in the entertainment business. And so the fans yeah, exactly. need to be entertained. Now, usually that happens by winning, but right. you still need to play in a style in which that the people watching enjoy and, and want to come back and watch you because otherwise, no no money for playing. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. If you if you show up on the – and that's also one thing, like, at least for me, that I can always, like, try to pride myself, like, especially when it comes to fans, is just giving 100% all the time because – no matter how the game ends up, obviously it's better if you win. But if you lose, but the fans can tell, like, they really gave everything for us, then ultimately they're pleased. It's, it's better than, like, I, it's better to lose and give 100% saying, hey, I can't really do much more. Like, soccer's a cruel game. Like, you know how mm -hmm. it is. Like, you could be yeah. dominating a team and lose one nothing. It's just, it's just the sport. So if you can pride yourself saying, hey, I gave everything and maybe the result didn't go our way, at least the fans, you know, can, can back that rather than, all right, we lost, but I gave up. Like, yeah. the, fans, the fans notice that. Like, they're, they're, not, they're not stupid. Fans aren't dumb. Like, they, they, can, they can witness what, like, what's going on out there. Like, they know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so then tell me, how, how do you end up in uh, Chattanooga? So, um, kind of goes back to what I was saying with my old club coach. Uh, so Jeremy, Jeremy Allenball is the president down here. And I actually shot him a text kind of when he signed here, uh, congratulating him on that job and also just kind of reaching out on my, like on my own behalf. And he was just like, yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll forward your stuff to like our technical, our technical staff and, um, they gave me a call about a week later saying, Hey, uh, we're interested. Can you come down? We have like a handful of guys coming in on like a trial basis, um, for a couple of days. Would you be able to make it? And so packed my stuff up, drove down to Chattanooga and yeah, did showed well. And ultimately they ended up offering me a contract, um, which I went back and kind of just like thought about played my options and it seemed like the best fit for me so uh yeah couldn't couldn't be happier with my decision obviously it's it's a bummer that we're kind of in the situation that we're in right now because I couldn't have been more excited coming here this year um just in the way things ended last year with me and coming to a new club this year it's always a fresh start no matter where you end up in a new spot it's, it's a new start um and yes, I, I was excited. It's their first year being a pro club. 
Um, they've got a storied history in the amateur ranks, a couple MPSL championships, and uh, they hold the record for most most fans in uh, in amateur league. They've had eighteen thousand fans at games before, and yeah, no, they it, it's unbelievable. And um, I was so excited to hear about that. I remember they sent me like a teaser video, kind of saying, "Hey, this is what you have to look forward to." And I got goosebumps watching it. It was it was so cool. They're playing against international clubs in front of 15,000 people and I was I I knew right then and there between that and how the coach's philosophy was how the city really embraces them I was like this is where I need to be this year yeah uh I love Chattanooga myself I think it's beautiful you've been up to uh Lookout Mountain I have I have yeah I I've gone on a few hikes this quarantine just to stay sane uh unfortunately they've kind of closed some of the parks now so it's a little bit tougher but yeah, it's it's absolutely beautiful here. What's your uh, what's your thoughts on Kyle Carr? <laughs> great mustache. Great, great stash. <laughs> uh, absolutely love that guy. Uh, yeah, no, he's good dude, great player. Uh, yeah, no, it's we uh <laughs> we were center back partners my senior year at university. Really? Uh, yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, I'll have to bring that up to him. Yeah, back back when he was an incoming freshman, so. A okay. long time ago. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, we've been uh, we've been talking a little bit uh, in different interviews with people. Obviously, this is a unique time for players. Um, it's the first time that players aren't training with a team. Everything's mm-hmm. kind of on their own if they're going to do it or not or how they're going to improve is, is up to them ultimately. So we've been kind of calling it separation season. Um, yes. what, have, what have you done personally – um, during this this time to stay prepared, stay ready, and keep improving. So for me, it's been tough. I'm a I'm a huge gym rat, so I love going to the gym. I worked at a gym this off season. Um, yeah, I I live in there in my free time typically. So yeah, not having a gym it sucks honestly. Um, but I've got like some bands and different equipment that I was able to use. Um, Luckily for me, our apartment just reopened our gym for us, for, like, the guys that are here and, okay. like, obviously some of the re- the residents as well. But um, so I've been able to go in there this past week because it opened last week. And, oh, it, although it's a small little apartment gym and it's not, like, the same, oh, my God, just using weights again makes me so happy. You have no idea. <laughs> so just been pretty much just doing that. They, we have uh, home workouts that we're sent every week. Um, between and it's normally like between a lift or some sort of like body workout muscular workouts and then there's a fitness portion as well so been doing that every day um to make sure i stay fit and then uh, we actually have a uh, sand volleyball court in our apartment complex so play a lot of foot volley which is there you go yeah oh it's it's my way of pretending i'm on the beach i can get a tan I can play some some footy. It's it's great. So yeah, been doing been doing that for the most part. That makes up most of my uh, most of my days playing soccer. And then started making TikToks a little bit. <laughs> I I haven't gotten I haven't gotten that bored yet. I might eventually. It, it, it was like a span of like it, I think it was like maybe the first week when there was truly uncertainty, and my roommate had left and gone home, and I was just sitting here, and I. And, like, he had just introduced me to, like, TikTok maybe a week before he left. So I'm starting to watch it a little more frequently. And the next thing I know, I'm just, like, 
these ideas start popping in my head and I was like, you know what, I might as well try to make a video. I'm pretty bored. So yeah, that's started to happen. I haven't made one in a while though. L Lenny likes Lenny. <laughs> <laughs> Lenny, I'll make another one just for you, buddy. Um, my, I, I coach a, a high school team down in Florida during the off season when I'm back in the US and uh, they were constantly pushing me to, to make a TikTok. I, I kept being like, maybe you win tonight and I make one, you know? That's so funny. See, I've stuck with originals, like original kind of ideas. I have not yet made a TikTok dance, although anything's possible. Maybe, maybe that's what the people need at an uncertain exactly. time like this. Might as well. I just, I just ordered an ocarina in the mail. It sh should be here any day. So okay. if I start mastering that, who knows what will happen. <laughs> I, I'll be I'll be checking the uh, when you tweet out the TikToks. I'll oh, I'll be for checking sure. for it. <laughs> all right, uh, fun question. We've been asking all the guys from Bridges. Uh, for those who don't know, Bridges is uh, off-season program that professionals train at to stay in shape, um, as well as college guys just graduating trying to make it to professional um, teams. So. You're five aside plus a goalkeeper, no MLS players. What, what yeah. would it be? So I've been trying to give this some thought. This is tough because, like I, like I was telling you, it's been a couple of years. I haven't been back in Bridges since after my first year playing. Uh, so that was the OG blue team way back like in the it. day. Oh, yeah. So um, I'm going to have to go. I'm going to put you on there. Bold. I'll put, I'll put you on there. No, dude, we, want, we, we had some dubs. So I'll put you on there. I'll put Woj, Honest, uh, Dave Abador, um, and Kaz. And goalie, I'll say, goalie, I'll say my first roommate, my first pro roommate, Dave Meves. Yeah, <laughs> I I was surprised. That's how I knew some of these Bridges guys were young. That his name wasn't coming up at all. It had it had to be mentioned. <laughs> I remember back in the day when he was when he was balling, man. He oh, was yeah. saving everything. Oh yeah, <laughs> unreal. Got to got to put him in there. Yeah, that was, he was my he was my first professional roommate. <laughs> That's a different experience, I'm sure. Yeah, showed me the ropes. I always tried to get him to go to the beach. He was not having it ever. <laughs> his uh, his skin tone isn't isn't conducive to that much sunlight. No, I would get him to go like he he'd be like I'll go for like thirty minute increment and it would be like once every like two weeks. Whereas I was there every day after training. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. Um, so we talked a little bit about it, but you know maybe even W the king of the open tryouts because usually open tryouts for those who don't know, uh, teams often use them as just a money grab. And they say they'll bring in one or two into training, um, knowing full well they have no intention of signing them. But obviously, you've you've done it twice and gotten uh, two mm -hmm. contracts from it. Uh, open tryouts are different in the sense that you know you are kind of pushing yourself onto the team. And invite trials, the the coach is usually personally inviting a player. So what what kind of have you learned through the process of of open tryouts for yourself? What have you what what experience have you gained from that? Um, basically you just kind of have to bet on yourself, um, honestly, because when you go in there, everyone thinks that, oh, this is where I'm going to get signed. I'm going to go here. I'm going to go here. Um, and, and honestly, like it, it sounds bad, but like a lot of the players that end up showing up really have no business being there. Um, especially open, like you'll, 
you'll see some guys and it's, they'll they'll be like, oh, I thought I'd give it a try, but I haven't played soccer in like six years. So I was like, well, what are you, what are you doing? They, so they're wearing their shin guards, wearing their shin over guards the over the outside of their socks. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> With that whole ankle guard and everything. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. So it, it's tough because you have obviously the balance of like the guys who are like me who they don't have an agent. So that's the route they have to take. Um, or they just don't have contacts, and so that's the route they take. And then you have then the mix of the guys who are just like, eh, I'm just here just because to see what happens. And so you have to still try to implement how to play when you have guys you can versus guys who can't necessarily play um, and still try to look good. And I don't know. Bas- basically, I just try to just outwork everybody, and I feel like that's kind of gotten – my notice uh that's just something i pride myself in i mean i'd be like i'm not necessarily a ronaldinho type and i'm not scoring 40 yard banger goals but like in in the type of guy who will get like a header in the type of dude that will slide tackle and then head while i'm on the ground so yeah <laughs> i like it hey as as i forget who we were talking to but uh somebody earlier this week the the guys that are willing to work hard and put in the the grind the coach can always find a roster spot for a player like that you know you only have so many maybe call them artists that are doing the real creative beautiful stuff um but if you're not the number one at that you're probably not on the team so you need right. you need grinders around those to to have a successful team anyways yeah so. and that's something that like you don't need it doesn't need to be a natural ability like you can just you can do it it's just mental like uh, you don't necessarily have to have skill to wear. Well, you don't have to have skill to work hard. Obviously, skill helps. But if you just give a hundred, it can that a hundred percent. That's just coming from right here. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, do you have any specific player that you would say you model your game after? Ja- uh, my favorite player is Jamie Vardy. Okay, 100%. I can see that. Hard yeah. nose. <laughs> yep, under un- absolute underdog and hard nose. Um, that teams have to hate playing against them, and that's Absolutely. what I—that's what I pride myself in. I, I hope it—it it is a successful game if the defender hates me. So yeah, <laughs> do you do you do the same as what was he doing like two Red Bulls before every? Game? I used to. That's the thing. That's so. As soon as I saw that, I used to be. I now just stick solely to coffee. I'll have way too much coffee. Mm-hmm. on a game day because that's all i'll do i'll just sit there and literally just drink coffee all day so by the time the game starts i'm just like but like that's my personality anyway so it just kind of just goes up but yeah i used to all through college and then my first year uh that's all i would drink was like red bulls and monsters and, and i'd put pre-workout in it sometimes oh my and, gosh. And, and, play, and then go play a game sometimes i'd re-up at halftime like and then i remember it was my in between my first and second year in Puerto Rico, and I was honestly I've I'd gone it was when I was going to Bridges, and I was like waking up and just having a cup of coffee on the way to training, and was feeling good, and was just basically when I came back that next preseason, was just like I've been doing all of this without coffee, and I actually remember the first game that I played uh, in a pre it was a preseason tournament like an Island Cup. And I ended up having it again, another monster, and did well. I think I scored that game. But then as soon as the game ended, I was literally, my heart was, like, racing 100 miles an hour because I hadn't had one in a while. And 
I went back, but my trainer was giving me like hydration tablets and like electrolyte pills and all this. And yeah, I haven't touched one since. It's solely coffee. It's good for the soul. That was that was like the same exact transition for me. My first year professionally, I was <laughs> drinking Red Bull, and then I switched solely to coffee. Cause yeah, you can drink coffee forever and and be okay. It's it's gotten to the point now that like little kids at the game will ask me in Swedish like, "Do you have your coffee?" Because they know that's how much awesome. I love it. See, sweet Swedish coffee. That's when I really got hooked. Was that month that I was over on trial in Sweden and Norway? Because I would just go sit at a coffee shop with a book and you just kept refilling. They would just keep refilling your cup. And I would sit there with probably, I'm six cups deep at this point, sipping, reading my book. It's a nice day out because I was there in the summer. Oh man, it's great time. Great and coffee the, over there. The crazy thing too is like in the US, you have like decaf coffee. So if you're having like dessert mm -hmm. at night, they're like, oh, you want a cup of decaf. It's like 11 wow. o'clock at night. Like, yeah. Let's just do regular like dark strong yeah. coffee. Oh, of course. Of course. Yeah, it's great. So I went, so I literally went from there to having a lot of coffee to then I continued that trend as I was training before I signed in Puerto Rico. And then Puerto Rican coffee just hit different. Oh, man. Oh, I'm it sure. was good. <laughs> Incredible. Um, looking back for your, your career, you've had a lot of different experiences. What would be kind of the, the main takeaway or advice if you could tell yourself at 15 years old, give yourself some advice, what would that be? Um, that's a good question. Uh, I'd probably honestly say don't listen to anyone else. That, that's kind of a broad kind of overview of it. Um, basically, just don't – when you hear no and you hear you can't do something, just ignore it. Because um, I, I know growing up for me and I kind of play – I kind of play with the chip on my shoulder a little bit just because I remember growing up I was told like, Oh, if you go here, you won't play. If you do this, you won't play. Um, heck, I remember in my hometown, actually, I went to like a little small private grade school. And usually you went from there to the small private high school in my hometown. Um, and I and my cousins had gone there and played soccer there. My mom coached softball there. And it just people were just like, oh, he's going to go here and he's going to play soccer. And I was like, no, I'm going to go over to St. Louis to this private school instead, which was a lot more demanding both soccer wise academically all that because i'm playing against guys who were all at bigger clubs and all that right. stuff there um so i didn't make varsity until my junior year um and then i remember when i told people that i was going to go there they're like well you probably won't ever play soccer there like if you do you'll be lucky to play your senior year and then once i got there then i was doing well then finally my junior year senior year and i had people on message boards, good old STL soccer message boards. And I remember there was this dude that for some reason just loved trash talking me. No idea who he was. And he, he was just like, you won't be good enough to be like a D2 player at most. Like you probably won't do this, won't do this. I had that say, I had that tab highlighted and saved on my, on my laptop and that I would look at Every time I would go play or before I would go do something and be like, bet, like, <laughs> all right, I'll show you that. Like, and then just other people just being like, you probably won't play here. I remember I had a college coach that I reached out to and it was actually a, a team that we played in college and beat on a decently consistent basis. So uh, I, I remember that coach telling me like, you will never play here. Like, 
I just don't see you playing Division One soccer, all this. And I would just save all of it and just save it into, like, a little file. And that was my motivation. Just would read that and be like, all right, bet. And then the same thing when I was in college. The guys telling me, yeah, pro soccer, yeah, good joke. Like, And, yeah, so basically if my advice to my 15-year-old self and anyone who wants to play soccer is you listen to yourself first and foremost um, because ultimately you control your destiny. Obviously, there's, there's other aspects to it. You have to fit a system. You have to be seen. But you can control a lot of those factors. Um, like, like I did, I, I went to – open tryouts, I sit in the off season because, like I said, I don't have an agent. I sit and I cold call clubs to just, like, hey, I'm, this is what I've done. Here you go. Like, I just network, like, in the off season just to try to get myself somewhere. And it's, it's a grind. It, it kind of sucks. I'm not going to lie. But in the end, when you have a season where you're, you're getting paid to play soccer and that's, that's your job, it, it makes it worth it, honestly. Yeah, I used to joke, people would be like, oh, what do you do for a living? And I was like, uh, you know, obviously I'm a defender, so I said, uh, I get paid to not let a ball touch a net. Uh -huh. And people were like, wait, what? And I was like, yeah, people pay to come watch it. People are like, what? Yeah. It's crazy, <laughs> well, right? Well, when, you, when you break it down to that, it's like, it, it is a grind and not to mm -hmm. belittle that, but it is such a blessing to, to have the ability to play professionally and get paid for that. Um, the other thing I really, I like, uh, that you said too, is just kind of talking about, um, you know, people saying you have to do this or you have to do that to be able to accomplish this. And I think most people, if you ask them like, what's the route to professional soccer, they give you this like clean cut answer. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then you start talking to professional players themselves and it's like very few was that actually the route it's always right. all over the place and you oh, have yeah. no idea and there isn't one perfect way to be successful and make a career out of it which yeah, i think exactly. is is encouraging to players who maybe you know are at smaller schools or don't have a strong club in their area or can't afford to play somewhere it's not uh you have to be in this club by this age or you have no chance yeah and as much as as much as like u.s soccer tries to push that agenda it's 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 honestly not the case now is it a lot easier to get seen there of course like that's where that's where the money is that's where the the scouts want to go see but like I, like i said ultimately like you kind of control your destiny and if you really really want to do it you just you go do it like <laughs> i make it sound like it's a simple thing just go do it but like ultimately like yeah it's it you're in control of it yeah 100 percent. no i really like that as i said I, I like your story i think it's just like a an ultimate grinder story and kind of betting on yourself when maybe you weren't given chances and then proving it wrong and you know now you're well entering your fifth year mm-hmm I mean, that's, that's crazy to be now at your fifth year of professional soccer. So oh, yeah. proud of you. Congrats, man. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. I uh, hope you guys get back to training soon. Uh, if anyways, back with Chattanooga FC in their inaugural Absolutely. professional season. But Yeah, no, it'll be fun. I appreciate you taking time to do this interview. Dude, thanks for having me, man. It's, it's been too long. It's been too Absolutely, long. Absolutely, man. <laughs> Have a good day. You too, buddy. I'll yeah, see bye. you.